You're listening to a DM podcast. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Mm. No demo recording that you put together is going to be absolutely perfect. So don't strive for perfection. Be okay with the imperfections because in a lot of ways, I think that's what makes me love the podcasts that I'm most loyal to when um, Mm. there are certain things that, you know, they're not as polished as they could be. So don't worry too much about it being perfect. So true. And how many conversations did we have with, it was funny because podcast one definitely produces a lot of beautifully made polished podcasts. And when we first started, we had to have a lot of talks with them about heavily edited they wanted things to be. We were like, no, we want you to hear us talking to our producer, Felix. Like, we want you to hear it. Like, if we screw up a word or we can't remember how to pronounce something, don't edit that out. Keep that in. Like, that's what people like. Hi, and welcome to Behind the Podcast. I'm Jules, and with me as always is Stocks. Today we're speaking with Rosie Wardlin and Jacob Stanley of the very entertaining and informative Just The Gist, which recently took out the Best Entertainment Podcast at the Australian Podcast Awards in 2020. Every week, or week-ish, on Just The Gist, they teach each other about certain subjects and we, the audience, get to learn along with them. Rosie and Jacob, tell us a bit about the show. I came up with the idea for it. I mean, it was a couple of I, like years in the making. And I think to me, the main thing I found with a lot of podcasts was, and particularly podcasts that, uh, you know, give you news or give you interesting stories that you might want to listen to. It seems like the, the trend for everyone is to go extremely detailed and extremely deep. And there's a lot of assumed knowledge. There's always a lot of assumed knowledge. Um, There's always a lot of assumed uh, expertise about certain things in the news and certain things in the news cycle. And I sort of thought I have three sisters, um, none of whom are super educated, um, none of whom have time to uh, really look into news and the news cycle in the way that I do. None of them have ever been on Twitter. I think they barely even know what Twitter is. And so to me, I was like, I would like to do a podcast where we tell people interesting shit and we we let them feel like they can access news and cool stories in a way that is accessible to them and doesn't have assumed knowledge and isn't kind of exclusive or intellectually elitist. So I was like, what would my older sister, Rhiannon, who has five kids and pretty much listens to podcasts, I don't know, in the car in between either changing poop or children screaming, what does Rhiannon have time to listen to? And I was like, she needs just the gist. And so that's kind of why I did it. I was sick of snobby hipsters going too deep into things. I was like, let's just give people the surface details that they need to know and we'll give them resources to go and look deeper into it if they want to. But just because you don't have time to go super deep into every news topic doesn't mean that you that should exclude you from accessing those topics. So that's kind of where the idea came from, I guess. It's a great concept. It's a fabulous podcast, obviously an award-winning podcast as well. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It feels, though, at its core, though, it's a show about a friendship. A great friendship being transmitted over the airways is one of the reviews we read. That's really nice. Hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your friendship? Starting from acting school. Yeah. (laughs) The universe first brought us together there. Um, We met 
uh, we'd both sort of had a bit of a false start when it came to tertiary education. We'd both started a course um, and then dropped out of it and decided that we wanted to pursue performance. Um, so we decided acting school was the right place for us. Um, and and what failed no actors regrets. don't have a podcast now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't see it coming at the time. We genuinely thought that acting no. was going to be the right thing for us. But um, oh, then yes, yes, we both spent a bit of time there and then realized that that also wasn't the right fit. So we both um, left that school before actually completing that qualification. And then independently of each other, we decided that we'd enroll in a proper university. Um, and so we, without even realizing it both enrolled in doing the same um communications course at uts so that was the universe bringing us back together then so i mean we've been super close friends for more than 15 years now and we've had a whole Mm. variety of different experiences and it's been incredibly fun to now have the opportunity to actually work together in this capacity having done this podcast for what is it a year and a half now yeah i think it has been about Mm. that yeah and how did Rosie bring you back into her universe in the podcasting uh, game and get you psyched up for this, Jacob? Do you want to tell that story? I mean, it's definitely got something to do with the voice. It's one of the most smooth voices I've spoken to uh, or heard in quite a while. Isn't it? Thank isn't you Isn't it? Much. That's why I start every podcast with saying, take it away, my dulcet-toned Adonis, <laughs> which he is. He wasn't my first... Well, okay, wait. <laughs> wait. He... <laughs> He wasn't my first choice, but he also wasn't not my first choice. I, you know, had done a podcast previously called called Mum Says My Memoir Is A Lie, which, you know, also did quite well and won some awards. But um, I, you know, had decided I wanted to do another podcast and I'd had this idea percolating for a while and I it, it had a few different names and it had a few different sort of formats. And I tried out a couple other, ho- like Jacob was always top of my list, but at the time he was a very high-flying executive in a very important job and didn't have time to be doing nonsense like this with me. For the record, that was not how I described myself. That was how Rosie described (laughs) me. I was not walking around telling people I am a high-flying executive with a lot of power and influence. Here's my card. Um, Well, look, I've been in the... I've been in the arts for a long time, so anybody who has like a fancy office job is a high-flying executive as far as I'm concerned. But um, so, you know, I just thought I would love for him to do it, but he's too important and he doesn't have time. And so I tested out a couple other people and I think people don't realise that to have a really good quality podcast and to have a a concept that works – It's not just like, oh, my God, me and my friends are going to get drunk at the pub and put a microphone between us and it'll be content gold. Like, it's a lot harder than that. It takes a lot more planning than that. It takes a lot more effort than that. And and so, yeah, I tried out a few people. I tried out a few formats and um and it wasn't quite landing the way i wanted it to mm-hmm. and um podcast 1 was getting bored with me cuz they were like can you hurry up and do the podcast and i was like no i haven't found the right person yet it doesn't feel right yet and then jacob was like oh i could do that one night a week with you sure <laughs> and so then we kind of did that together and we started off with a third co-host who was a friend of ours but it was pretty evident in the very first episode that it didn't work with three people so mm. i'm quite brutal about this stuff and i cut her she's still our friend that's fine but um i just wa- <laughs> Good. We, we were sc- we, we were scared to ask about yeah that. yeah oh. no she's <laughs> 
Emily is a friend of ours who went to drama school with us and um, and I thought initially three people would be uh, the best way to go and we recorded the pilot episode and it was just too crowded, just didn't quite work. Mm. And um, I'm very serious about my work and so I said, you know, she's my friend and I said I love you but it didn't work with three people and she understood that and after all of that, I think it was, like I said, about two years in the making from when I first had this idea to when it ended up to where Jacob and I were recording the show together. It's, you know, it takes a lot of work and preparation to make a really good podcast, I think. Well, it's an interesting premise and it's quite smart, I think. You had you went to territory in The Bachelor where you already had an audience. Yeah. Oh, that was a that was a shameless grab for audience yep. and subscribers. <laughs> smart. Smart. <laughs> like I knew that I had a lot of fans who wanted me to talk about The Bachelor again. And um, I was like, okay, I'm launching a new podcast. I don't really want to talk about The Bachelor again, but I'll do it for a few weeks just to get the listeners. And it, you know, it worked. Right. So So that was a Trojan horse then. You always had the plan to... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No shame. You thought it would just be a couple of weeks and then it turned into two of the seasons and... (laughs) Well, yeah, I said we would do the one season of The Bachelor... And it went, and then we would shift into regular episodes of what I actually wanted to do. But then it did go quite well. It was quite the lure of Osh's beautiful uh, hair hooked me. Celine's smoking was just too hard to resist. The second you think you're out, it hooks you back in. So um, yes, then we did the Bachelorette, and then after that, I was like, okay, that's enough. We've and then we started doing regular episodes, and they went really well. And and you know, I think a lot of people haven't even listened to those early Bachelor ones. They like the show for just what it is. But um, you know, I wrote about the Bachelor for a long time, and I and I worked at a website that made me talk about the Bachelor for a long time. So if I can use it now to, you know, help with current projects i'm gonna do it and jacob are you comfortable telling us what your high-flying career was when you started out well i've never i never tell people exactly what the company was but um it's an australian-owned cosmetics business um and it was a really wonderful job and i was there for 12 years um i left that role at the beginning of 2020 with a plan to go and travel and explore the world for 12 months and then see where life took me from that point. (laughs) Um, So things didn't go exactly according to plan. But uh, yeah, I was working in learning and development for that cosmetics business for the majority of the time that I was there. Um, So that meant a whole lot of travel. I recorded while I was still at work, every single week I would record from a different city, whether it was in Australia or outside of Australia. But we somehow managed to find a way to make that work around my Mm. travel schedule, which very glad we did because it's incredible how quickly the podcast did build an audience starting off with The Bachelor and then going from there. Right. And then in June of last year, was that the first time that you actually did the re- you took the lead of the dance, I guess, in the podcast and did the research? Yeah, it was like April or May, I think, yeah. because yeah. I wasn't I think working so. at that time and we were all stuck in quarantine. And so, um, yeah, up until <laughs> that point, it was all Rosie telling me stories, which I was in no way familiar with. I really sort of fit into the demographic of the um, sisters that Rosie described just before as someone who doesn't consume a lot of media, didn't consume any news at the time either. Um, I was kind of the perfect 
audience for the way that Rosie was telling the stories that was super easy to digest. Yeah, and then we had a few conversations about me potentially having you go just to sort of give me a sense of purpose while we were stuck in lockdown. (laughs) And um, I really enjoyed it. I found it so rewarding Mm. to start getting into the research. And it's a very time-consuming process, but it really is as you sort of trawl through all sorts of different articles and podcasts and watch loads of different documentaries, um, it becomes this little micro-obsession that you have for a couple of weeks before you then end up moving on to the next topic so I sort of became addicted to doing it myself very quickly and here's where I say that I pretend that I was devastated for Jacob that he couldn't go on his round the world trip because of COVID but really I was thrilled because I was worried about what that was going to mean for the podcast and when COVID happened and he got stuck in the country I was like oh no (laughs) but hey now you can be upgraded to a proper co-host let's do it hooray so it actually worked out quite well i'm gonna empower you yes (laughs) and give myself a week off every second week (laughs) i have to say it was so much fun and it was the best job when i got to just sit back listen ask questions and laugh throughout the whole thing that was so cushy i don't know why i gave that up idiot but you could see in some of the earlier episodes well you could hear sorry in some of the earlier episodes that you some of the questions you're asking is like oh you've got a really interesting point of view here mm. um, and it seemed to unlock just another dimension to the podcast when when you, you both take turns so just i guess for anyone who hasn't heard the podcast before mm-hmm. the the premise is basically was rosie would uh explain a story to jacob and mm. jacob would ask questions and learn and mm-hmm. trying to get to learn enough to be able to ex- have a conversation at dinner party and then they flipped it so they were both taking turns leading and we'd love to delve into that process yeah same same thing i mean you thought you were going to be Mm. traveling around for the year and didn't get to do that and then you've got all of this dinner party information (laughs) you didn't get to do those either (laughs) with the covid (laughs) yeah yeah did throw a spatter in the works of our of our um like tagline for a while because we was like we were like we give you just the gist just enough so you can impress your friends at a dinner party and then for a year no one could go to dinner parties so we were like uh when you can do that i guess We did get some cool photos and videos of um, people having digital dinner parties. So they were doing it together over Zoom and they'd be talking about the topics that we discussed in the podcast that week. So, yeah, they found a little workaround for themselves. Mm. Mm -hmm. So we'll jump into the process a bit. I mean, you're doing a bit of research each week and, you know, getting across the gist. Mm -hmm. But obviously you need to have a bit of information yourself to be able to to dissect that or, or, or put it in a sort of package mm-hmm. that's easy for someone who is a layman in that topic to understand and be able to ask questions. It's a good entry point in. And as you mm. said, you can then go on and do a much more of a deep dive if that, if that wets your palate. But if not, you know, you've got enough there to take to the dinner party. Mm. How do you choose the topics that you want to talk about and yeah. think about what's going to be relevant to the audience? Because you started with subject matter that you knew and you had an audience for, but obviously it's evolved. Are you going for things that you like? Yeah. At first, I just did stuff that really fascinated me. So that ended up being a lot of weird female scammers, which you sort of realize things that you're obsessed with that you didn't realize. And after a few weeks, I was like, oh my God, I've literally done female scammers for five weeks. So, you know, I did uh, Elizabeth Holmes, the woman who scammed Silicon Valley. And I did Belle Gibson, the Australian woman who pretended to have cancer. And then I did Bernie Madoff, the guy who ran the biggest um, Ponzi scheme of all time. But then I did other things like... um, 
uh, Jim Jones um, and uh, Titanic, which is something disaster. I've been obsessed with since I was a kid. The Challenger disaster. Uh, I told Jacob about uh, the 1989 Oscars, which was an Oscar ceremony that was so bad, the entire ceremony almost got cancelled forever. So I kind of just, I have... I have a list. I, I I don't know about Jacob, but I have a sort of Google Doc that has a hundred things on it, and I'm just constantly researching things that I want to do. Um, and at the moment, I sort of take the reins on organising what the topics are. So Jacob runs his topics by me, just so that I can make sure we've got a good balance. So, you know, you don't want four weeks of true crime. So if I do a true crime story one week, I'll get Jacob to let me know what he's doing so I can make sure it's, you know, a bit different. And um, because it's important, I think, to balance that out. But um, mostly we just pick stuff we're interested in. And I think since Jacob's come on as a co-host, it's been really cool because I tend to lean towards uh, a lot more kind of mainstream pop cultural stuff. And Jacob tends to lean towards really obscure kind of historical things that I would never think to ever be in, like look into, but then he tells it in a way that I'm like, Oh my God, that's nuts. So um, we kind of given our own preferences have um, come up with a really cool balance and a wide range of topics each week. Mm. And the main reason that I was going sort of obscure was because I sort of challenged myself at the beginning. If I'm going to tell stories, I want to tell stories that Rosie doesn't already know more than me about. Um, (laughs) Which is most things. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, And so I would really have to sort of scour to find things, um, which is still part of my sort of my goal to try to Mm. tell stories that she doesn't know, or if I am going to tell her a story that she knows, try to find some information that she isn't yet aware of. So I'm always really trying to surprise her with the facts that I uncover in the stories that I tell. Um, And yeah, I've also got well over a hundred topics that I'm dying to explore at some point. I actually have a spreadsheet though, organized by um, subject type. Yeah. Oh, well, that's your years of high-flying executive experience. (laughs) Yeah. When you're addicted to Excel, you can't give it up. Um, I've just got, like, the notes app open and a physical notebook and a Google Doc and something else. Oh, I'll write it on my hand. I'm the classic artist. I've just got everything everywhere. Who knows? um, Of course you have a spreadsheet. (laughs) (sighs) So the format, did you uh, take a a little bit of sort of crafting to decide, all right, we'll we'll do an initial chat and, and, you know, just watch... What's the kind of news in your area? That extra, extra. Have I done that right? Not really. It was a pretty poor attempt, yeah. I think. Extra, extra, extra. extra. <laughs> but yeah, having that little sort of initial part and then launching into the actual deep dive on the, on the topic. Yeah, I mean, the, the format took a bit of finessing. I mean, at first um, I had called the show Story Topper. And so I was like, each week it will be me and a different person and we'll just each tell each other a story and try to top each other's story. And I tried that, but it didn't quite work with different co-hosts. And and so then I changed it to a show called Blow My Mind, where you were just two people trying to blow each other's minds. And I tried that a few times, it didn't quite work. And and, um, then I came up with the idea for Just the Gist because I was like, Our point of difference can be that we're not going super detailed into deep diving into stuff because there are a million podcasts 
at the moment who just deep dive into interesting topics. I mean, that's fine. That's the nature of how art works and the industry works. But um, I was like, well, what can our point of difference be? Just the gist. And so... Um, More of a shallow dive. Yeah, shallow dive. Yeah, that's a good way. That's, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Um, yeah, so we kind of just decided to do it that way. And the break in news at the start was... Um, more just because at the time, while Jacob was still working, uh, he literally was so busy in his professional life that he had no time to access news. And so each mm. week I was like, it'd be quite funny for me to give you a bit of a <laughs> summary of what's going on in the world outside of cosmetics, because that's all he knew. And, um, mm. and since then, since he's you know left his job, he is much more tied into the news cycle, but um, it just kind of stuck, the breaking news. So... And so we do that for, I don't know, it's usually about 10 minutes of each episode and then we launch into the proper topic, which is about 40, I guess. I just want to say, I actually believe that Rosie was telling me the biggest headlines that were going on around the world when she would do breaking news because I was not looking at any other news source. So I truly believe that that was the only thing that people needed to know about. Um, and then when I started actually tuning in to the news cycle, she'd finish breaking news and I'd be like, but you didn't mention anything about Kim Jong-il going missing or like the other things that people were actually talking about because I hadn't quite understood that she was just plucking out the more obscure news things that were making headlines at the time. Yeah, Rosie, you're going to have to cancel all, all of Jacob's news subscriptions to make sure you can keep this dynamic going. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, I was like stop it. Stop reading things. I don't like this. What's going on? Just listen to what I tell you. That's all you need to know. Do you have go-to news sources? I know, notice Jacob, but a lot of your notes include podcasts as other forms of research. Uh, are there places you go to mm. first and foremost each time? Oh, not for me, no. I mean, I honestly end up visiting so many different websites in the process of um, researching any particular topic. So, no, there's nowhere that I am particularly loyal to. What about you, Rosie? I tend to get interested in something that I've consumed from some form of media, whether I've watched a documentary or listened to a podcast or read a long form article about it. And then that's kind of your kicking off point. And then I go from there. I mean, I mean, I did an episode a couple of weeks ago that was literally just based on this one episode of an old show called I Shouldn't Be Alive. And I just watched this episode about this woman surviving a boat sinking and a shark attack and I was like, this is a whole, this is a whole show. I got to do a whole episode on just this. And so I kind of watched that episode of this cheesy documentary series and then looked up a few things and read her book that she had written. Um, and that just came from me procrastinating working and putting on some random show on Amazon Prime. So it's, you honestly never know where stuff's going to come from. And then you just sort of, I always say to people, um, it takes so much research to give people just the gist. <laughs> you really don't like so much um, because you have to be across every sort of part of the story or part of the person or part of the history of something to be able to then summarize it and condense it down to its most meaty, important, entertaining parts. So, I mean, I, I I kind of consume everything I can find. I'm currently mm. listening to a 23-hour audiobook about the history of the Hilton family because I want to do an episode <laughs> on Paris Hilton. So, <laughs> 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 uh, 
And it doesn't mm. all end up in the episode because we're doing just the gist, but it's, it's good to know. The research really comes through in the podcast. Uh, it's, it's tremendous. I was just going to say, it would be at least 30 hours per episode that we'd put in in terms yeah, of so. research. Yeah, Longer if we're getting lot. into multiple books or audio books. But yeah, we just devour absolutely everything and take notes as we go. Um, and then the thing that I don't know about you, Rosie, if this happens to you, but I constantly catch myself getting stuck down rabbit holes where mm, yeah. you end up following a little trail. Like today, I spent at least 40 minutes reading about the schism in the Russian Orthodox Church for a story that I'm <laughs> researching. And none of that information is going to make it into the final story, but you just develop this these sort of little side mm. obsessions in the process as you go along. And in a way, it does enhance your knowledge of the story, but you just find yourself sort of allowing your fascination to guide you in distracting territory from time to time. It's, you go, it's interesting. You, go. you both seem to have the bug because you hear when you're talking your extra, extra, bit, extra bits at the beginning, you often... I hear you cut each other off and go, look, no, no more. That's an episode. You, I, I'm actually going to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems like there's an insatiable appetite there. I think so, yeah. And, I mean, it, it is, though, um, it can get difficult sometimes because you research something so meticulously and then you want to go the route of, you know, a brilliant web uh, podcast that I love called, like, You're Wrong About, which um, does seven hour and a half long episodes on one topic and you get to the point where you've done so much research that you want to do that much but then I always Mm. remind myself and remind Jacob like our mission statement is just the gist that's not what we're doing like someone like my sister does not have time to listen to your wrong about but she still deserves to know those stories and to hear that information so our job is to do it in an accessible summarized way um and that's that can be really hard when you've researched Mm. something for hours and hours and hours and then you have to cut out 90 percent of what you've done and just put in the most entertaining parts i mean i will say um my time working at quite an infamous clickbait website early in my career (laughs) certainly prepared me (laughs) Uh, for doing what we do now because you do, when you work at a place like that, you learn how to strip things back to their bare bones. You learn how to do things in a clickbaity way. You learn the most, how to just put only the most entertaining information in your story on the page. Um, And, you know, those are skills that I that I still use now and so I'm I'm glad for that because it works for this podcast, it, I think. It's almost as important as the research is that ability to be succinct and efficient and respect your audience's time. Oh, In terms of your time, we'll use that as a segue. You've obviously written a couple of books yourself and, and it sounds like you've got a few more on the way or plans to do a few more. How do you find that balance? Writing a book, I would assume, I haven't done it myself, but it takes time. Takes time. Yes, that's true. It does. Um, Yeah, so I've written my two memoirs, which, you know, I wrote before I was 30. And so then I was like, oh, get over yourself, you up yourself freak, like write some fiction. (laughs) Um, So I'm writing my third book now, which is a fiction book. um, And I'm also working on a screenplay for something that I've been commissioned for. And, and, you know, I've, I've always got a lot of longer term projects on the go, um, which is why, you know, my agent 
kind of sat me down and said, okay, we need to work out um, because we are hired. Oh, I'm going to get into like money things. I'm not going to give you specifics, but we're hired by podcast one to like, we work with them. They, we have a contract with them and, and they offered a certain amount of money. And my agent sat down and worked out the amount of hours that goes into this. And she's like, okay, out of your week, every week, you are doing about, let's say, 30 hours of research preparation. And then I also do a lot post episodes. So I do a lot with editing and stuff like that. And, and so she was like, you, you need to make sure you're getting paid an adequate amount to be putting that amount of work into something. And so when she broke it down like that for me in terms of hours put in, um, I hadn't realized how much work it was. And, you know, that's when you sort of have to sit back and be quite strict with your schedule and, and, and understand like how to fit things in. But, um, I love it. I love doing this a lot because everything else I do are such long-term deadlines and this is something that's weekly. So it just feels a lot more immediate and fun. The return feels a lot uh, more satisfying because it's not like, oh, yeah, I've got this book due in 12 months. Mm. Weekly-ish gratification we get. Yeah, weekly-ish gratification. Love it. So could you tell us a little bit about what it's like working with Podcast One outside of the financial side? Yeah. What's some of the value they bring to the table? Is it production, promotion? Give, give us the pitch. Great. I mean, obviously, we do the hard yards when it comes to the research and the prep, and then we record, and um, then it's over to Rosie to sort of work with the team who are handling all of the edit and then it's sort of out of our hands from there. I mean, yeah, um, neither of us have skills in or the ability. I don't know how to edit things. I don't understand mm. that practical side of the equation. Um, when I went to them with my first podcast idea, gosh, a few years ago now, mum says my memoir is a lie. I was pretty clear with them. I have this idea. I know exactly how I want to execute it. I just don't know how to do the weird editing post-recording side of things. Mm. And, and they're pretty great about being flexible with that they're like okay you're good at the creative you're good at the prep you're the talent you know how to do this we'll give you a producer who works really well with you and you can work with them and I mean I'm sure my producer hates me because I will send him the most just idiosyncratic like details like I'm so I'm so pedantic and funny I'm like at minute 3901 I say uh, something, something, something X, Y, but I need you to change it to something, something, something X, Z, and then change it like I send through the most detailed notes. <laughs> that probably drives him insane. But um, that's what they do. They kind of accommodate you that way. They they set up podcasting so that, you know, whatever skills you bring to the table, they then fill in the rest of the gaps, which is helpful because mm. I don't I don't have those skills. I don't know how to do that, that stuff. Sounds good. I mean, we went to drama school. We're not, we're not qualified to do anything. Your talent, your talent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> it was hard enough for us to figure out how to record remotely. We had some oh, real God. Um, road bumps along the way there and they still happen we, from time yeah, to time. I still screw up recording with my microphone and we still have episodes where it sounds funny because I've done something wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, we can't be trusted with that stuff. Mm. But yeah, they give us total creative freedom when it comes to the actual content of the podcast and the topics mm. we choose and everything like that. Um, it's the tech support that is one of the most valuable things that we get from them. I will say, though, they don't let us sweat. We're not allowed to say the F word. I think we're allowed to say shit 
and that's the that's the worst thing we're allowed to say. Everything else gets. You can bleeped. say the f word here if you want to get a couple off your chest. Oh yes, <gasps> fucking cunt burgers. Oh. <laughs> Jacob and I are the biggest swearers, and they don't let us swear. They bleep it all, so that feels nice. <laughs> oh fuck me. You did do the, your original podcast, Mum Says My Memoir is a Lie. Yeah. Was there much learning that you took from that initial one coming into this that you said, hey, I did this kind of thing, I didn't really like the way that happened and I want to try and change things a bit for this next kind of project that I'm working on? And were you able to give Jacob a few tips from starting from scratch? I mean, they're such different projects, so it's hard to mm. say. I mean, I will say I definitely got comfortable um, in the studio I got comfortable recording. I got comfortable um, listening to my own voice because that can be quite confronting and awful. <laughs> so because, you know, I recorded, mum says my memoir is a lie was I read each chapter of my book and then my mum and I talked about it. And so there was, I think there's, oh God, I can't even remember. I think there's 22 chapters in my book. So there was 22 episodes. And, um, and the same as with just the gist, I recorded and then I listened to the raw edit and I sent through my notes of what I wanted the producer to do. And so it's quite confronting listening to your own voice and and getting used to the fact that you have certain like weird vocal habits that are grating and need to be cut and and you have certain ways of telling stories that you could be better at. So I think if anything it just was a really good year of because it took us about a year to record that and it was a really good year of training and just how to be an audience audio storyteller because I'd only ever written and performed um and so yeah it was it was just a very good training ground and made me feel confident that I was good at audio and that I I, if I had a good idea I would be able to execute it so then I did I guess and Jacob had you done any performance or voice work or video work uh since acting school or were you coming in cold me no I mean in a way there was definitely a performance element to the role that I had because I was doing a lot of the training myself plus I was uh teaching all the members of my team how to be really great facilitators and there's definitely an element of performance in that but no that would be the closest thing um we did actually have an internal podcast at the company that i worked with that was one of the things that we started up with as an avenue to educate people um and you know make all the information that they needed to know accessible to them wherever they wanted to be so i was also kind of featuring on that but honestly it would be such an exaggeration to say that that was experience or <laughs> yes, it is. performance qualification and probably one last production question you release on fridays was that something you chose something podcast mm. one chose <laughs> sometimes usually mostly uh, <laughs> we we chose that there was talk initially that we would pre-record a lot of episodes at once and just put them in the can which is what we did with mum says my memoir is a lie like we recorded that entire series over a whole year and didn't start dropping them until the whole series was done edited completely finished but with this I just felt something I love about my favorite podcasts is feeling like you're checking in with your hosts week to week in real time and so to me having that 10 minutes of breaking news at the start was important and so I said it needs to be weak 
weekly, like because we just need to have that little 10 minutes where the listeners feel like they're checking in with their friends, like they're, they're on the journey with you at the same time. Um, and so, yes, we went in with very big ambitious goals to record weekly but you know life happens and things happen so our fans have accused us and we've now taken on the um saying that we are weekly ish because sometimes things happen and we don't get an episode out but um (laughs) honestly we just picked friday because it meant that that we had the whole week to get it done so um we tend to record on i'd say Tuesday or Wednesday at the latest and then you know that gives me time to listen to the raw edit to give notes to our editor he can edit it then I can listen to it double check it and then I give the final sign off and then it's ready for Friday but um yeah honestly Friday was just so we would have enough time to get stuff done you said your audience came up with the weekly ish do they participate in your <laughs> show pretty heavily no I came up with weekly ish oh, thank sorry, you <laughs> you i thought they did i thought they did when they were cranky at us did you come up with that i did it in response to the crankiness to sort of Uh, put a little disclaimer there i um yeah made a little edit to the intro that we do and that's (laughs) how weekly-ish was kind of born from there and we've sort of lent into it as part of the brand do you have much dialogue with your audience and if so via what channels we do i mean i i started a just the gist uh, podcast instagram like way back when we first started and i was so shocked at how many followers we got because i literally did not put enough effort into it like i honestly forgot it was there for months and months and then i went and looked at it and it had like five thousand followers so i was like oh shit better a whole lot of reply to some of these people <laughs> yeah. yes and we always ask we call our listeners out well our gistners uh, and they call themselves gistners and so we always ask them to give us suggestions of stories they want so they tend to mostly get in touch with the instagram um which jacob has kind of taken control over responding to because I'm terrible at it and I forget. Um, and then we also have an email that they can send emails to. And and it's great. I mean, they send us stuff in real time, like the amount of people who contact us when something that we've talked about pops up in the news. Oh, my goodness. Like they're all really invested in the stories we've told and the people we've talked about. And they're all really excited to be the first one to tell us when there's been some kind of development. And, you know, often we've heard about it, but often we haven't. So it's kind of really useful to have all these internet sleuths keeping track of updates for us. It's good. Mm. Do you have any advice for any anyone who's starting a podcast? It's a lot more work than what you think it is. It is not just like I mean I have a a pretty close relationship with Jennifer Goggin who is who uh is the big wig at Podcast One. And um, she said the amount of emails she gets from people saying, hey, me and my friends are really funny and we don't really have a plan, but we just think if you put a microphone between us, it will be the most entertaining podcast you've ever had. And she doesn't know how to say to them, like, that's not how it works. Like, it takes a lot of preparation. It, like, takes a lot of time. Just the gist was, you know, it took two years before we sat down and recorded our pilot episode. Um, And then even from the pilot episode, it was a lot of finessing to get from where it was a year and a half ago to where it is now. Um, So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of preparation. I think it takes a lot of hard work to make something look easy. Yes. And um, 
that's what people need to understand and remember. What do you reckon, Jacob, as someone who came very fresh into entertaining and storytelling, what advice would you give people? Well, some of it I would bring over from my previous role, which is don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Mm. No demo recording that you put together is going to be absolutely perfect. So don't strive for perfection. Be okay with the imperfections because in a lot of ways, I think that's what makes me love the podcast that I'm most loyal to when um, Mm. there are certain things that, you know, they're not as polished as they could be. So don't worry too much about it being perfect. So true. And how many conversations did we have with, it was funny because podcast one definitely produces a lot of beautifully made polished podcasts. And when Mm. we first started, we had to have a lot of talks with them about heavily edited. They wanted things to be, we were like, no, we want you to hear us talking to our producer, Felix. Like we want you to hear Mm. it. Like if we screw up a word or we can't remember how to pronounce something don't edit that out. Keep that in. Like, that's what people like. People, my favorite podcast is where I feel like I'm in the room with the people talking. And I think that's what people like. And um, we got a bit of pushback at the start, didn't we? Because we wanted to keep that kind of stuff in. They didn't quite get it. Mm. Yeah. We kind of have that wabi-sabi approach that, you know, they've got to be the little chips in it that give it that extra little bit of character. Um, So, yeah, I would say don't go for anything that's too scripted. Don't try to make it too polished and too perfect because that's just not as endearing. Um, And then also... I'm kind of thinking a little bit more about your question from before about what um, relevant experience did I have in my previous life. Um, And a big part of it really was storytelling because that was how we managed to make all the information that we were teaching people stick by weaving it into a story. Um, And the thing that I would always tell my team would be tell the story the way that you would tell it. Don't try to tell it in someone else's words, construct it in the way that feels most organic to you. Um, And I guess that's relevant to this because, you know, pretty much every topic that you could do, someone's already done it. Um, Mm. And don't try to sort of emulate the way that someone else has told a story, tell it the way that you would tell it. Um, uh, And, you know, that's worked really well for us because we tell the story in our own way in the hopes that people will then be able to go away and actually retell the story at a dinner party if they're lucky enough to be invited to one. And just finally, I mean, there's a lot of research that goes into giving people just the gist. And you've mentioned listening to podcasts and documentaries and everything to help you get informed on those things. What are some of the podcasts that either inspire you or, you know, you really love or your go-tos or your guilty pleasures or anything? If you could give us a couple each, that'd be awesome. (sighs) I have such a long Uh, list. (laughs) (laughs) So do I. I mean, I... um love anything that um, the CBC does, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. That's kind of like Canada's version of ABC or whatever. They do some amazing investigative journalism stuff that's out of this world. Um, The very first podcast I ever listened to, which I think a lot of women are the same, was My Favourite Murder. Um, And that was, I think, a podcast that really blew things open for a lot of people because it was just two women who... um, were quite humble about the fact that they don't know a lot about everything, but they just were interested in something and wanted to talk and tell each other cool stories. Um, And they're also both just uh, a really great example of two people who are completely themselves on air. Like they just, they chat about 
uh, quite personal things and they get quite vulnerable with each other, but they also make sure to always keep it entertaining. I think they have a very good balance and that's why that podcast has been the phenomenon that it is. And of course, I mentioned this in our podcast, I think every week, and I've mentioned it already to you guys, you're wrong about, I think is my most favorite podcast of all time. It's amazing. And um, I always say to people that, we're, we're a little bit similar to You're Wrong About, but when you listen to You're Wrong About, they give you enough information to get a degree in something, and we give you enough information to just get through a dinner party. So that's our <laughs> difference. But if you want that crazy deep dive, that is the podcast to go to. Those guys are great. Mm. Yeah, highly recommend that one. It's definitely a favorite. Um, has anyone ever recommended No Such Thing as a Fish? to you guys before on this show that is one of my favorites it's um four of the researchers for that tv show qi and they started up this podcast where once a week they would get together and they would each share a strange fact that they'd found in the course of their research that they were doing for qi and then the four of them would then you know have a 10 minute conversation on each of the topics from that point onwards um so they're very, very witty, nerdy Brits um, who've done a heck of a lot of research. And there've been a number of things that have ended up on my list of future topics that have come from that show. So that's very entertaining. That comes out every Saturday morning for us here in Australia. Um, I love Decoder Ring. That's in a way sort of similar to You're Mm, Wrong About. Um, So that sort of goes back through time and sort of unravels certain cultural phenomena that happened. Like, why did blue coloured food become a fad that happened for a while in the 90s? And why was Jane Fonda's workout tape so successful? Um, And that sort of gives you a lot of information that you wouldn't necessarily think that you would even pause to think about. You wouldn't assume that it would be anywhere near as interesting as it actually is when you start to unpack it. Mm. Um, And also Irrational Fear. I think that is um, one of the smartest, wittiest, funniest shows every single week. So I'm an addict to that. Oh, my God. I was talking to Dan on the phone right before this interview. Well, you can call him back after it and tell him I gave him a nod. Oh, bless him. Oh, I will. He'll be so happy. Mm. That is a great podcast. He's the best. That's some wonderful recommendations there. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and share all your knowledge and stories with our audience. Love your podcast. I think it's an incredible combination of research, delivery, education, entertainment and and really a celebration of an amazing friendship Uh, it's no mystery why you guys won the best entertainment podcast oh well we were worried after our after our display during our acceptance speech that the australian podcast awards would never want anything to do with us ever again (laughs) (laughs) i will say i will reiterate i will reiterate that a lot of people thought we were drunk we weren't we were trying to act like moira rose from schitt's creek and when you act like Moira Rose, you seem drunk. No so that was what happened. I said, well, look, if it all goes well, you might get to do it in person this year. Oh, yes, we'll redeem ourselves a year from now. <laughs> or double down. Maybe, if they ever give us an award. Or we'll outdo ourselves. Yes. <laughs> double down. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Oh, Pleasure. Thanks, thank you, guys. A huge thanks to Rosie and Jacob for giving us more than just the gist about what makes their podcast so enjoyable. 